Over 150 years ago, American essayist, poet, and philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, quote, Do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. End quote. Just make sure to watch out for ticks. Hello, fellow Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, a ski trivia game podcast. I am your host, Jeff Shaw. It is Sunday, January 9th, 2021. Still getting used to saying that, actually. What a first week. While I remain in the chorus of the cautiously optimistic for 2021, not a good start. Take your pick. Most COVID deaths in a single day. Retreating glaciers, unseasonably warm weather, and oh yeah, a bunch of brainwashed lunatics illegally broke into the U.S. Capitol building. As Paul Engelman, a Chicago-based writer, posed in May 2019, quote, Politics is what stands in the way of settling our disputes. Civics is a way of settling them. Right on, Paul. But to get back to the positive, let's talk podcast. Perhaps like you, I've been doing much more reading these past 10 months and began jotting down some quotes that stopped and made me think. That 19th century quote that we opened with came to mind during a, well, came to mind 150 years later on a recent hike bushwhacking in the woods and stumbling upon a hidden and homemade terrain park. You just never know what you're going to find. Today's episode will feel more like a sprint rather than a marathon. It's not lost on me that typical podcast episodes run close to one hour. That's asking a lot of your time to just listen to me babble on. (laughs) Instead, solo episodes at least will be trimmed back to about 20 minutes, aka a sprint, with guest episodes running longer, aka the marathon. These running and biking terms are intentional and actually references to a new personal outdoor challenge for 2021, this time off-piste. Now, I wouldn't call it a resolution per se, more of a way to make the year memorable, as if it wasn't already. (sighs) I plan to complete a duathlon every week this year. 52 weeks, 52 duathlons. If you need a tune-up, a duathlon is when you run, bike, and run again. Similar to more common triathlons, where you swim, bike, and then run, lengths vary from sprint, standard, middle, and long. The sprint distance seems like a perfect fit. Time requirement, manageable. The physical challenge, doable. And trying to beat previous times should keep me motivated, at least for a while. (laughs) And hey, if the world gets healthier, quick, who knows? Maybe I'll even qualify for the Power Man Duathlon World Series. (laughs) Unlikely. I actually don't plan on doing any races. Uh, Pandemic cancellations aside, while races are great, They usually support local charities. They motivate you towards personal records. Swag is nice. A beer ticket at the finish line is delicious. But I've done a lot of races, so I'm trying to do something a little different here. My initial thought is more of using the challenge to explore different neighborhoods, different towns, eventually different states. Catch more sunrises, sunsets, stars, 
Check out new trails, parks, beaches, maybe even find those old lines at nearby former ski areas. I am tracking this experiment with two in the books, a couple observations, at least locally. First, tying shoelaces in a 20 degree headwind without a buff is a major pain. <laughs> Second, over a half dozen homes have homemade ice rinks in their front and side yards. Hmm. <laughs> Number three, face masks really come in handy when screaming downhill on a bike in a cold <laughs> during a cold morning. Now, doing this may suck, or it may be great. Either way, I gotta do it to find out. Moving on to our next segment, an outdoor state of mind. Topic, the return of Mountain Gazette. Youthful inspiration, local New Hampshire ski royalty, stargazing, free skiing fame, and scuba diving in Lake Tahoe are just a sample of the first dozen pages of resuscitated print magazine, Mountain Gazette, edition number 194. In my mind, this magazine was made for this moment. The semi-annual 11 by 17 inch magazine is a beautiful celebration of mountain culture that deserves time and attention. It's about telling authentic stories of real people living in real mountain towns. It's not about sponsored athletes, the latest gear trends, or industry experts. It's about art, nostalgia, music, and our endless desire to explore the outdoors. With interest in outdoor recreation off the charts, equipment selling out, and reservation systems the norm, the timing of this rebirth could not be better. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle slogging through the fire hose of information unleashed each day. Emails, posts, newsletters, print, and recordings. Tweets are a whole other story. Actually, let's play a little trivia pregame. Count to three. One, two, three. In that time, 18,000 tweets and 2.4 billion emails have been sent. Point being, it's hard enough to keep up with what you are into, let alone things you could be into. As an avid skier, mountain biker, stand-up paddleboarder, and bushwhacker extraordinaire, the pages of 194 are familiar territory. Other topics, pursuits, and passions I don't know much about, say birding, climbing, even mutton busting, are still intriguing. Sidebar, Google mutton busting if you never have. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> With Mountain Gazette, you get a shot of both comforting familiarity as well as enticing new frontiers. Now, I'm actually late to the party. Thanks to an extended post office delivery delay, 194 just showed up in my mailbox a few days before New Year's. Some subscribers received their copy as early as November. Since this edition unexpectedly sold out, better late than never for sure. I also cut my teeth on East Coast slopes, and despite working at a ski shop as a curious and mischievous dual-plank youngster, never heard of Mountain Gazette until the recent string of online teasers. Before number 194 arrived, I had this unexplained feeling that somehow, some way, the revived magazine was made for this moment. An optimistic view considering the recent fate of Powder and other outdoor titles. 
after flipping through those initial pages, it all made sense. Holding this beast of a magazine is completely different. It's better. It's more meaningful. Here's why. Number one, the editor. Mike Rogge is a well-known journalist and filmmaker and is actively engaging the outdoor community. He even sent a personal email to me, well, and likely to all subscribers, <laughs> to say thank you for subscribing and to keep in touch. Who else takes the time to do that? Personal connection is appreciated, especially these days. Number two, six-month editions provide ample time to read each article at a leisurely pace. No more anxiety watching weekly or monthly magazines pile up unread or forced to be skimmed just to clear off the table. The timeliness of the stories makes the magazine a must-keep to pull from the shelf each take-your-pick season to set the stoke. Better yet, pass it on to someone unfamiliar with the title, like my younger self. After all, sharing is caring. Whether you live in a mountain town, live an outdoor lifestyle, or are seeking a temporary escape, the wide-ranging topics, freeform style, and emotional depth keeps you invested with an expressiveness that invigorates the imagination. Number three, environmentally friendly practices. The 11 by 17 inch pages are recycled paper, yet the print quality holds up. Even the packaging, at least for the I Love Small Ski Areas t-shirt, was fully compostable. That took some thought. Well done. Number four, striking photography. The giant photographs are not shiny, but still catch your eye. Examining the details of the frosty Cannon mountain shot got me pondering where to capture similarly brilliant landscapes on my next trek at the Living Legend or elsewhere. Number five, limited ads. Of the 129 pages, 125 are ad-free. And of the sponsors, at least two have bold commitments to environmentally sustainable and responsible sourcing. Bless your heart, Mountain Gazette. Now, a previous criticism of the magazine was that it featured too many Western mountain stories. Indeed, Mountain Gazette was born out west, is currently based in Lake Tahoe, California, and many writers have Western addresses. But when pressed on the vision of where and who stories would come from, editor Mike Rogge responded, quote, We are going to explore mountain towns across North America, end quote. So, roll call, please. Adirondacks, the Dax. Appalachian, Berkshires, Catskills, Green, White, heck, even the Laurentian Mountains. In a loud, chaotic, and seemingly lost world at times, it is reassuring to literally hold positive, inspiring, and uncommon outdoor stories. Welcome back, Mountain Gazette. Moving on to our next segment, Ski News of the Week-ish, with a twist. That twist is using current ski news as the content for a new game entitled Ski News of the Week-ish Trivia. Yeah, I know. Lame name. Actually, it's a lame game name. But uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to think of something else next episode. But here, what we're going to do is I'm going to read through all the trivia questions once, then go back and read each question and reveal each answer. So think of this as on-demand ski news trivia. On January 6, 2021, what New York ski area abruptly did not open for the day due to, quote, a number of ski patrollers excluded out of work relating to COVID-19, end quote. Number two, 
what 430-foot vertical western New York mountain opened for the first time over the December holidays in over a decade? The next two questions are courtesy of the New England Ski Journal. Number three, what New Hampshire mountain recently installed lights on the lower mountain for select weekends and holidays? Number four, what is the name of the brand new lodge at Bretton Woods in New Hampshire? The next two questions are courtesy of Ski Magazine. Recently, Ski listed their top 10 articles for 2020. Number five, what was the content or topic of the number one article? Similarly, number six, what was the content or topic of the second most popular article? Next two questions are brought to you by Lyft Blog. Number seven, what is the total number of lifts added to all North American ski areas in 2020? Number eight, what was the average age of chairlifts retired in 2020? And number nine and 10 are courtesy of Jeopardy. Number nine, what two states welcomed back long dormant ski areas this season? And number 10, this is actually the final Jeff Pretty question. What ski area in Massachusetts has a $25 lift ticket Monday through Friday and non-holidays? There's three hints. The first being 30 miles between exits. Hint number two, James Taylor performs nearby. Hint number three, Lennox, China? Not exactly. <laughs> so those are your 10 Ski News of the Week-ish trivia game questions. And we're going to now go through them with the answers. So again, number one, on January 6, 2021, what New York ski area abruptly did not open for the day due to a number of ski patrollers excluded out of work relating to COVID-19? That would be Hunter Mountain, Hunter Mountain in New York on the Epic Pass. Apparently, two patrollers tested positive and others were exposed, so uh, they went into quarantine. But it was an odd use of words. I think that's why it was noteworthy. <laughs> Number two, what 430-foot vertical western New York ski area opened for the first time in December, last December? Uh, in over a decade, that would be uh, Kakagni Resort, uh, a.k.a. the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Apparently, uh... Cacagny began its operations in Cherry Creek, New York, in the winter of 1966. The famous ski lodge was built as the Austrian Pavilion for the World's Fair in New York City in 1964, and then moved to Cacagny in 1966. Cacagny was the best place for family fun and winter events for over four decades, again, according to their website, up until the lodge was destroyed in a fire in January 2011. So welcome back. Great to hear that uh, another ski area is, is back in operation. Number three, what New Hampshire mountain recently installed lights on the lower mountain for select weekends and holidays? That would be Waterville Valley in New Hampshire. Number four, what is the name of the brand new lodge at Bretton Woods in New Hampshire? That would be the Rosebrook, located at the top of the Skyway Gondola with panoramic views of Mount Washington and dine-in and grab-and-go options. Number five, what was the content or topic of the number one red article in Ski 
The topic, of course, was gear. The content was best all mountain skis of the year. Apparently, the ski test crew put in a full week of testing to bring those results. There were 17 recommendations. So even within the question, there's a question. What was the number one best uh, all-mountain ski of the year, 2020? That would be the Nordica Enforcer 100, at least for men, for the women. There was 15 recommendations uh, of the best all-mountain skis. The Head Core 93 was the number one for women. Number six, what was the content or topic of the second most popular article in ski for 2020? That would be, the topic would be climate change. The content, 33-year-old Horstman T-Bar at Whistler Blackcomb was removed due to a receding glacier. And that uh, lift provided access to numerous camps, summer camps, public park laps, and good times. This is from the website, back to the glory days of slush bumps, hand-dug quarter pipes, and some of the first tables and rails. Number seven, what is the total number of lifts added to all North American ski areas in 2020? That would be 28. Of course, many ski areas postponed capital projects due to the pandemic, but a few did go forward. Well, actually, a couple dozen went forward. Number eight, what was the average age of chairlifts retired in 2020? That would be 40 years old. That's right. Quite a, uh, quite a long lifespan. Number nine, what two states welcomed back long dormant ski areas this season? I'm sure most of you got uh, Maine. That would be Saddleback. I've uh, been talking about that few few episodes now, and a lot of folks have been posting uh, about their experiences there. The second state, West Virginia, Timberline Mountain. How about that? And finally, number 10, what ski area in Massachusetts has a $25 lift ticket Monday through Friday, non-holidays? This is your final Jeff Party question. Three hints, 30 miles between exits. Hint two, James Taylor performs nearby. Hint three, Lennox, China? Not exactly. That would be Ski Butternut in Great Barrington. That's right, $25 lift ticket Monday through Friday, non-holidays. Check them out. That will do it for our Ski News of the Week trivia game. We will certainly catch you next time. Oh boy, look what time it is. It's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Powderhound Skis, or better yet, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. <laughs>